This Christmas Eve, I have a brief message for you titled, From Fear to Faith. And we're going to look in Matthew chapter 1. But as I was thinking about Christmas season and just some of the things I was reading around the holidays, there is something about Christmas that actually neg negative feelings are amplified for some people. It becomes a very stressful time of year. In fact, in 2019, there was a study that half of the adults interviewed uh, claim Christmas is the most stressful and fear-inducing time of the year, so much that 16% said they would rather do their tax returns than attend a family Christmas. Uh, maybe some of you are here because you're avoiding a family Christmas. And 26% said it was more draining than a job interview. And that was last year. That was before COVID. Some other reasons people admit the feelings of anxiety and, and fear around Christmas include being fearful about putting on weight. Uh, others of us just don't care anymore. And then there's 14% were stressed about writing cards. 26% said they were worried about trying to make Christmas as good as last year. 23% are stressed about making Christmas dinner. A further 11% said they don't do any Christmas shopping until the week before, resulting in them feeling even more stressed. You, know, I, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out how to fix that, right? But add to all of that the COVID effect. So there was already this stress that underlied a lot of people's holidays, and then you add COVID, and it's just been more and more to where for some it's not a season of cheerfulness, but more a season of fearfulness. And so how do we move from fear to faith? How do we enjoy this season that God has given us, focusing on Christ and knowing the joy, the love, the peace, the hope that Christ gives? Well, I want to look at Matthew, excuse me, uh, I want to look at Matthew, yeah, I said, started to say Luke earlier. I want to look at Matthew chapter 1, and I just was struck by the birth narrative of Jesus in Matthew 1 from Joseph's perspective. We often talk about Mary, uh, but Joseph was really going through something. And when I saw the progression of this passage, I saw that there, in a very short amount of verses, was really a significant change that took place in Joseph's life. So as you turn there, I want to give you uh, just a few things about Joseph, his background. We know his occupation. He's commonly called a carpenter. We know, you know that. The Greek word is tekton. And it refers to a craftsman that he most likely worked with wood, but he could also work with stone or even metal. He was a craftsman, a carpenter. And at the time of our story, he's living in Nazareth, which is a very small town. It was a town of no reputation. In fact, Nathaniel in the Gospels says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So he was a tradesman in a very small town. We also knew that he was a Jew from the tribe of Judah. And the tribe of Judah traced their lineage back to King David. We know Joseph was to some degree a devout man, and he likely died earlier into Jesus' life. He's not mentioned after the story of Jesus going to the temple around the age of 12, and he's not mentioned in any of Jesus' public ministry. However, the Holy Spirit in this one little passage of Matthew 1, beginning at verse 18, seemed to just zoom in on Joseph. And I think that there's a point there to that that all of us can learn from, and that's how to move from fear to faith. So let's look at Matthew 1, verses 18 and, and 19 first. 
In verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now, what happens in those verses, and it's really quick, you'll miss it, is this, that for Joseph, life gets completely sideways for him. He goes from, he has a a woman that he loves, that he is engaged to, that he's preparing a home for. He is daydreaming about their life together, how he will provide for her, what their lives will look like as a married couple, the children that will have, that they will have. All of these things are on his mind. All of these things are in his planning. All of these things are his future as far as he knows. So he has his plan. He knows what's coming. This is the direction he's headed. And then suddenly it all changes. He finds out that the lady that he is engaged to is now pregnant. And in this time especially, it was great shame and great dishonor, especially in a small town. He didn't know what to do. Everything that was his plan just got turned upside down. It just went sideways. It's, it's not going according to how he thought life would happen. He's really in a point of crisis. And it says being a just man. He, he's seeking to do the right thing. He's at a point of crisis. He feels like he's been wronged. He feels like it's Mary's fault. Yet he's still trying to do the right thing. And the best that he can figure out as the right thing would, he doesn't want to make a public display of it. He doesn't want to put her to open shame. So he's going to secretly break off the engagement. So what we find in verses 18 and 19 that fear really has an opportunity here to creep in. And I think what happens for most of us is fear tends to creep in when life doesn't go according to plan. You see, Joseph did not have to break off the engagement. But it would have brought great shame upon him. It would have brought great questions upon him. It would have caused him to be looked on in a negative light if he were to continue on with Mary. So really, as much for himself to save his own skin, to save his own reputation, he makes the decision to distance himself from her, from the problem, so to say. And I think this is for most of us where fear, again, creeps in. When life does not go according to plan. We, we're on this course. This is how life is going to go. This is how it's going to happen. And then when that changes, when that changes, fear is just right there waiting to see if there's an open door into our hearts. And you know, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. Satan hates God's creation. He hates us who are made in the image of God. And Satan loves to be right there waiting with fearful thoughts and accusations about the character and the nature of God in those moments. Well, if God were good, he wouldn't allow this to happen. If God were really for you and not against you, how could he allow this to come into your life? If God really loved you, there's no way, there's no way that this would be taking place. And that's where Joseph is. It's such a short story, and the verses move us so quickly through it. I I think we miss the emotions. 
We miss the tension of the moment. We miss the trial that Joseph is in. His world has been turned upside down. He's dealing with it the best he can, but really he's making a decision that is at least we can see some, somewhat of a fear-based decision to just distance himself. Well, I don't want to be associated with that. So I'm just going to remove myself from this situation. But then look at verse 20. But while he thought about these things, so he had decided this is what I'm going to do, but he hadn't done it yet. So he's mulling it over, he's thinking about it. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. Which, I mean, that's a, that's a title to get your attention. He's saying, Joseph, don't forget what tribe you're from. Joseph, don't forget your lineage. Joseph, don't forget who you are. Joseph, son of David, descendant of David, descendant of the king. Joseph, that's who you are. Do not be afraid. There it is. See, that's what was driving the cart. He was afraid. He was looking out for himself. He was worried about what people were thinking. He was going to make this decision. And the angel immediately addresses it. First of all, by reminding him of who he is. Joseph, son of David. That's a statement of faith. David was the great king of Israel. Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived of her is of the what? The Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, this is Savior. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Now here's what changes the whole situation. It's such a small thing, but such a significant thing. Joseph, I mean... Just think about the turmoil he's in. Think about how the emotions are getting a hold of him. The fear that is gripping him. His whole life has been turned upside down. And the only thing that changes about the entire situation is that God speaks to him. The only thing that changes about it is God says, no, 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 Joseph. We're not going to come over here to fear. You're going to trust me. Son of David, you're going to trust me. Joseph, son of David, you're going to believe me. You're going to trust me to do what I'm doing here, that it is for your good. He still is engaged to a lady that's pregnant, and it's not his child. He is still in a small town where everybody is going to be judging them. He is still in a situation that people would look at and go, I don't want anything to do with that. The only thing that has changed is he now has a word from God to his situation, to his circumstance. God has spoken in to his life. That is literally, that's the only thing that has changed. Everything else that once was just wrapping him up in fear, that's still there. So what is he going to do? Well, he has to make a choice. And what's amazing is David, uh, excuse me, Joseph, the son of David, the descendant of David, he makes the choice. To believe God. And look at verses 24 and 25. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. That is a huge act of faith. 
Because if God does not come through, if God does not fulfill his word, they will be the outcasts of their community. If God does not take care of them, they will bring shame on their family. If God does not go before them and so to say make it right, man, he is signing up for the losing team. But he has obeyed God, he has trusted God, he has taken God at his word, he's done it. And then verse 25, and he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and they called his name Jesus. And that's what we're here to celebrate tonight, that God did give his son, and he gave his son to be the savior of the world. But we're reminded that even in the coming of the Messiah, in the coming of Jesus, it wasn't just in this neat, tidy little story without problems. Jesus invaded time and space, coming into the human experience, understanding our fears, understanding our weakness, understanding the ways that we would be tempted. And even as a child, his parents had to make a decision, are we going to trust God or not? And it's a great statement to the people that God chose to to raise his son, to Mary and Joseph, that they believed God and they were people of faith. But they came to believe him. They came to trust him in the midst of what was an awful situation. And so, you know, for us, this has been a difficult year. It's been a stressful year. But what I came to realize as I just reflected on that passage, and I'm almost done, is this, that we serve a God that specializes in showing up when you're in between that rock and a hard place. You know what it is when you're in between a rock and a hard place? It means you have nowhere to go. You're stuck, right? If you're in between a rock and a hard place, there's, there's no way out. It's not good. But that's where God shows up. In fact, I thought about other stories. I thought about Moses. He had a sea before him and Pharaoh's army behind him when he discovered that God dwells between the rock and the hard spot. Daniel, he had a pride of hungry lions in front of him and the prison gates behind him when he discovered that God dwells behind the rock and the hard spot. Jonah, he had an ocean on the outside and fish guts on the inside when he discovered God dwells between the rock and the hard spot. Ruth had a husband who had died on one side and a life of poverty poverty on the other side when she discovered that God dwells between the rock and the hard spot. Samson had blind eyes and a bad haircut when he discovered God dwells between the rock and the hard spot. So if there's just one thing I could encourage you with tonight, all of that to build to this, is that this Christmas season may we be reminded of what we have in Jesus May we be reminded of what we have in Jesus and who he is rather than all of the fears that would love to overrun our hearts. And just like Joseph, just like Joseph, we have a choice in the situation. Your circumstance may not change tonight or tomorrow, but like Joseph, You can go to God's Word, and you can say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to stake my life upon this. And when you go with God, and when you go with His Word, 
in making that choice, you're already on the winning team. It doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. You have already chosen the victory when you choose to stand upon God and the God of His Word. So this Christmas season, I don't know what the rest of this year holds or if Jesus delays His coming. I don't know what 2021 holds, but I know that the Son of God has come to save us from our sins. His name is Jesus. He has died. He has risen again. He is returning one day. And what that tells me is that all of time and eternity are in His grasp. And so whatever I face this night, tomorrow, or the next day, it is still within the hands of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I have the choice day by day to go, I will face life by faith in the one that holds it all, or I will allow the circumstances of life to push on that fear of my heart, overwhelm me, overrun me, and cause me to lose sight of the one that is guiding me, that is saving me, that is seeing me through it in the first place. So this Christmas Eve, if nothing else, may we remember again that the king has come. And you know what? He's also going to return one day. I hope that you have a great Christmas day tomorrow. I hope that tonight is a great night for you as as families, whatever your family unit looks like. But take some time tonight to make sure that you as a family are focusing your eyes on Christ and allow His perfectly love, His perfect peace, His joy, and His goodness to overwhelm you.